Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya So September 23rd in 2019 in uh, Iskon, Washington, D.C. in Potomac. Reading from Srimad Bhagavatam, Canto 11, Chapter 24, The Philosophy of Sankhya, Text 7. Vaikarikas taijasyascha Tamasas chetyaham trivit Tanmaitrendriya manasam Karanam chira chinmaya Please chant. Tanmatrendriya manasam Karanam chinachinmaya Vaikarikas taijasascha Tamasas chetaham trivit Tanmatendriya manasam Taranam chinachinmaya Vaikarikaha, in the mode of goodness. Taijasaha, in the mode of passion. Cha, and tamasaha, in the mode of ignorance. Cha, also. Iti, thus. Aham, false ego. Trivit, in three categories. Tatmatra, of the subtle forms of sense objects, indriya, of the senses, manasam, and of the mind, karanam, the cause, chit achit, both spirit and matter, mayaha, encompassing. Translation, false ego, now the false ego comes from the previous verse, before we had ahankara in the previous verse. False ego, which is the cause of physical sensation, the senses, and the mind, encompasses both spirit and matter and manifests in three varieties in the mode of goodness, passion, and ignorance. Purport. The word chin achinmaya, encompassing both spirit and matter, is significant in this regard. The false ego is the illusory combination of the eternal conscious soul and the temporary unconscious body, because the spirit soul desires to exploit illicitly the creation of God, he is bewildered by the three modes of nature and assumes an illusory identity within the material world. Struggling to enjoy, he becomes more and more entangled in the complexities of illusion, one of Prabhupada's favorite words, right? Complexities. And only increases his anxieties. You see Prabhupada's disciples, they're picked up on some of Prabhupada's favorite words. 
This hopeless situation can be overcome by taking to pure Krishna consciousness in which the pleasure of the Supreme Lord becomes the only goal of one's life. Vaikari kas tajasascha tamasas chetyaham trivrit tan maitendriya manasam karanam chid ajin maya. False ego, which is the cause of physical sensation, the senses and the mind, encompasses both spirit and matter and manifests in three varieties in the mode of goodness, passion, and ignorance. So this is about identity. And everything is based on identity, as we see in this purport. Uh, illusory identity within this material world. The only reason I feel physical sensation is because I think that I am this body. I don't think I'm your body, so I don't feel physical sensations in your body. And if I don't think on this body, I won't feel any physical sensations in this body. That's what anesthesia is all about. Anesthesia breaks that identification, and therefore you no longer feel any physical sensations in the body. What we consider sense objects, what we consider enjoyable and repulsive, depends on our identity. Prabhupada talks about this all the time, how the pig prefers stool to halva. Why? Because it's identifying that I'm a pig. And because I'm identifying that I'm a human, I prefer halva to stool. It's all based on identity. And the mind, I'm a this kind of person, I'm a that kind of person, I'm a conservative, I'm a liberal, I'm a, you know, whatever. That all is based on identity. And it's a, it's a big thing in the modern society, how you identify, that people should be able to choose how they identify, right? Which... In some measure, from a mundane platform, is actually ridiculous. If I said, "Well, you know, I choose to identify as a ten-year-old African," you know, it's just like, well, wait, "Wait a minute!" <laughs> but actually, on the transcendental platform, it is a matter of how we choose to identify. That's a fact. Do I choose to identify as what I am, or do I choose to identify as something else? And if I don't choose to identify as what I am, which is someone who cares only about the pleasure of the Supreme Lord, then I take up all these false identities. Which, of course, isn't very pleasing, which is why people talk about how, you know, which is why somebody in a man's body says, well, I, I decide I'd rather identify as a woman, or someone in a woman's body says, I, I think I'd rather identify as a man. Because there, there is a disconnect between our real identity and the body that we have, and none of us are totally satisfied with our material identity. Anybody here completely, totally, absolutely satisfied with their material identity? Anybody look in the mirror and go, whoa, that is perfect. You know, it is just, or, or our life. Well, you did that once when you were 15? We'll have to see a photograph and see how accurate that was. But you know, it, we're not fully satisfied. Otherwise, people wouldn't wear clothes that pinch them here and expand them there, and they wouldn't put on cosmetics, and they wouldn't comb their hair into different styles, and they wouldn't try on different uh, aspects of personality, isn't it? Right? We play with our identity. So I'm going to act like this. All the self-help courses, all the big seminars, people are paying $1,000, $2,000 to change some aspect of their nature, their personality. Or their body, you know, working out at the gym, make this part bigger, that part smaller. So, you know, we're not, we're not fully happy with this false 
identity. And this false identity, the reason we're not fully happy with this false identity is it starts from rebellion, right? to enjoy, to exploit illicitly the creation of God. It starts with a rebellion. It starts with something that's not us. Like Prabhupada talks about how the demons are envious of themselves. Or maybe Krishna says that. Does Krishna say that or Prabhupada say that? Envious of their own self? Is that verse or purport? It's purport. So how could you be envious of yourself? You know What does that mean? Well, my mother used to say that when she would go to synagogue, a Jewish temple, and she would... There would be prayers about how I'm a servant of God. She wouldn't say them. She said, I, I skipped that. <laughs> that part. Well, who wants to be a servant? You know, I mean, what parent tells their kid, when you grow up, I hope you're a servant? You know, nobody says that. Let's say, I hope that, you know, you're an IT specialist, you're a medical doctor, you're a big lawyer, right? You have some high status in the world. Not that you're a servant. So, but we're just a servant, and we're a very, 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 very little servant. We're extremely insignificant. I mean, like just extremely insignificant. All you have to do is look up at the night sky in a dark place, you know, or go in an airplane, and all the people quickly disappear. <laughs> you know, we were a very insignificant servant. We had this meeting the last two days where we could all pretend that we were very important. And that was part of how we motivated ourselves, was telling ourselves how important we were and how significant our decisions were. But in, in the ultimate scheme of things, that, that's actually not a fact at all. You know, whatever we build is going to be destroyed. Whatever we create. Even Lord Brahma, imagine waking up in the morning and everything you built the previous day, or almost everything, is gone. Imagine that. Imagine if you had to rebuild the Potomac Temple every morning. You know, and that's, that's what it's like. So uh, this is our, our real nature, but we, we are rebellious against our real nature and we want to work independently. And the analogy that I often give, it's just like uh, the whole universe is the body of God and each of us is like a little cell in that body, just like our physical body has many cells that are alive. Yes? The heart muscle cells and the neuron brain cells and the skin cells, and they're all alive and they all have their own little life. You know, they, they eat and they sleep and they, they don't exactly mate. I think they just divide. But, you know, they have their reproductive process and their elimination process and, and they have enemies and friends and, you know, they, they have their own little life. But they're meant to work in harmony for the body, for, for me. They're meant to work in harmony for me and hopefully I don't treat my bodily cells like slaves. Hopefully I actually care about them. Hopefully I care about my brain cells and care about my heart cells and my lung cells and my intestinal cells and my skin cells and hopefully I want them to be happy I want, you know, I'd like all the cells in my hand to have their own happy little life but they will have their happy little life if they work for me now if they work independently for themselves what do they become? Cancer so as soon as we work independently we become a cancer in the universe and then we get a false identity and everything we do under a false identity is disease. I was just hearing Prabhupada say yesterday that naturally the mother gives food to all the children unless one of the children is diseased. And, then, and Prabhupada had a personal experience of this uh, when he was a young man with a neighbor uh, whose son had typhoid and therefore she didn't want him to eat. Uh, it, was a, it was a very dramatic experience actually for Srila Prabhupada. 
So, Prabhupada there says that the only reason that we are withheld from opulence is if we're diseased. And what do you do if there's a cancer in your body? You try to withhold nourishment from it, isn't it? That's the whole idea of chemotherapy. That you, you put poison in your body to, to kill the, your own bodily cells who have rebelled against you. So as soon as we rebel against the Lord, we become diseased and we become cut off from our natural opulences. We become cut off from our natural qualities, our natural power, our natural glory. We become cut off from the flow of, of, of prosperity and the flow of happiness that happens in the body of God. Just like the cancer cell, he becomes cut off from the natural nourishment and, and harmony. And everything we do in a false identity is painful, actually. Everything we do under a false identity is painful. Bodily sensations, you know, senses, the mind, the sense objects, even the things that we consider pleasurable are, are have a pain package. Right? If you want to enjoy some food, first you have to grow the food and take care of the weeds and take care of the deer and take care of the rabbits and you have to water it and so many things. And it, it's, it's trouble. And you have to harvest it and you have to cook it and you have to maintain the kitchen and you have to pay the bills for the house to maintain the kitchen and so forth and so on. And then after you're finished eating, um, you have to use the toilet, you have to clean up the dishes, you have to clean up the kitchen. Yes? Right? So, you know, there's this brief period of this pleasurable, and it isn't even always pleasurable, the bodily sensation of eating. Sometimes you eat something that's not pleasurable. But for that 15, 20 minutes of pleasurable sensation, it's, 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 like you, it's, it's like if you had a really nice inside of the sandwich, but the bread was old and dry, and blech, so the things that combine it, you know, what we have to do to enjoy something in this world in order to enjoy it, you know, if you want a nice romantic partner, so you have to make your body very attractive, you have to have enough money in the bank, maybe you have to have a nice car, and you have to develop your personality and so forth and so on. And then in modern society, you have to go hunting because your parents don't do that for you and your community doesn't do that for you. And you're never quite sure, the person that you're, that you're hunting, if they're actually a good person. Well, no, it's described in the fourth canto. I'm sorry, I'm not just making this up. And you know, and, and they're not really even sure if they're a nice person. Maybe you secretly Google them and so many things, and you might think you got a nice person, and it turns out that they're an abusive psychopath. And you know, and 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 so you have to go through all this trouble for some few minutes of enjoyment, and then the result of your few minutes of enjoyment is you have to maintain a house, and you have to maintain children, and you have to pay the bank balance, and you have to have a car, and you have to pay insurance on the car, and all this kind of thing. So even our our idea of enjoyment. And our, I'm sorry, I'm in the Vanaprastha ashram, and it's just what happens when you invite somebody like me to speak. So the in between, you know, for the for the little bit of enjoyment, which is it, it's it's actual enjoyment on one level, but the this as soon as we have this false identity, everything that we have is contaminated by suffering. Everything that we have, we were talking yesterday about uh, oneness and, and difference, but our how we connect with people in this world. That pleasure you get when you feel on the pleasure of the mind. This is also talking about the mind when we when we feel a mental connection with somebody. You know that we understand each other intellectually, we understand each other mentally, we understand each other emotionally. Uh, it, it's never perfect. It's never perfect. And I mean, I have friends that I feel a very strong, subtle connection with uh, on the intellectual, mental, emotional platform. But with one of those very close friends a few weeks ago, that devotee was saying something, and I responded, I said, I feel like we're on a different planet. 
I feel like how you're understanding this and how I'm understanding this are so different that there's there's no meeting at all. So uh, even on the on the mental emotional platform and how much maintenance we have to do and how much care we have to take of the mental emotional desire platform of our life. You know, there's also so much suffering involved with that. We're so easily understood, misunderstood. I mean, I was chatting with a dear friend. I mean, someone I've been friends with 25 years. And the person said, you know, are you saying this to make me angry? And I'm like, no, actually, not at all. So it, 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 so much also suffering as soon as we have this, this identity. Uh, because the basis of our bodily sensation, the basis of our mental connection is just wrong. It's starting at the wrong place. It's starting with the false ego, a hunker of imudhatma. We, we become a fool. We become like a, like a donkey. You know, it, it, we're just a complete fool thinking that I'm anything other than a loving servant of the Lord. And, and it, it's a great misfortune that anything we do in that false identity, like Prabhupada said, two plus two is five, then everything else is wrong. Everything else is wrong. So as soon as I think I'm God's competitor, as soon as I think I'm the Purusha, I'm the enjoyer, everything here is for my enjoyment, everything is wrong. And here it's explained very nicely, which it's explained, of course, a, a lot of the Bhagavad Gita is taken up to explain the modes of material nature. Chapter 14 and uh, chapter 17 and a big chunk of chapter 18 is taken up to, out of, out of 18 chapters, is taken up to ex, uh, explain the modes of material nature. And quite a lot in the Bhagavatam is also taken up for that purpose. And one of the great jewels we have in the Vedic literature is an explanation of how the material energy works. In other religious systems, that's pretty much absent. Yeah. So this rebelliousness against Krishna, it has three main flavors, which of course can combine in different ways. And why do we need to know this? Because we need to distinguish, if we're going to come to our real identity, we need to know sat and asat, asambutam, uh, asambutam and asambutam. We need to know what is real, what is temporary, and we need to know this side by side. We need to be able to distinguish. Otherwise, we will uh, see something in the illusory identity and think it's spiritual, or we'll see something in the spiritual identity and think it's illusory. We'll, we'll become confused as to what's real and what's not. So we're looking here at, at what's not, but I also want to take a few minutes to look at what is. And I have until what time? Okay. So we'll look very briefly then. So on the, on the, where should we start? Should we start with ignorance or good? Should we go down to up or up to down? Let's go down to up. So in the mode of ignorance, the ahankara is, I'm a really laid back person. Um, I'm really easygoing. I don't stress about things. Yeah, if they're easy, I do them. They're not easy, I don't do them. I don't get into all the complexities of life, this philosophy and this political thing. And yeah, it's just like, these people that that, that they're they're so ambitious. They're running after money. They're running after this, this cause and that cause. You know, I go to work. I do my job. I come home. I watch the football game. I drink my beer. I have sex. I go to sleep. I pat my dog. You know, that's like that's enough with life. And you know, okay, I'll eat healthy food if I can go to the Burger King and eat a veggie burger. I'll buy it. If it's at the Burger King, you know, I'll buy it. But I'll also eat a regular hamburger. It doesn't matter, you know. If they don't have the veggie burger in stock, I'll buy whatever is convenient. I don't worry so much about the consequences. 
you know, I real I, I live for today. And whatever happens, you know, don't bother me. This makes me healthy. That doesn't make me healthy. This is good. This is bad. And don't mess with me. You mess with me, I'm really good at insulting you and tearing you down. You know, I'm, I'm really expert at that. Just leave me alone in my peaceful life. Yeah. If I can clean things, if it's easy, I get out a vacuum cleaner. Yeah, you know, if I got to use water, I mean, yeah, that's not too much trouble. I'm just laid back. Yeah. And what these other people are running around for. And then the mode of passion. I want to make the world a better place. I want to improve things. I want to be important. I want to contribute something significant to society. And I want to do the right thing. I want to be a good person. I want to be noticed for being good too. I want to do it, get in the history books. I want to build a big hospital, bigger than that one next door. I want to have the best system of government. I want to feed thousands and thousands of kids, wipe out malaria in the world. That's what I want to do, and I'm going to be good. I'm going to take care of my family, and I'm going to eat healthy, and I'm going to be strong. And I want you to notice it, too. I want to make, you know, pay attention to what I'm doing, will you? Because I'm a good person. I'm a righteous person. I'm religious. I go to church. I pray to God. I give money to my church. I got a plaque up on the wall showing you how much money I've given to my church. And I'm a good person. And I care about the world. And I'm willing to work hard and sacrifice and sacrifice and sacrifice. And I get my satisfaction from what I've earned. I've earned it. I've earned the big house. And I've earned the good food and the, and the beautiful partner and the intelligent children and the BMW and the garage. I've earned that through my hard work and my sacrifice and I've also given to society and I'm a righteous person. I'm not just off in some cave somewhere worrying about myself. And then there's the ego in sattva. And the ego in sattva is I don't really care so much about the things of the world. My happiness is within. I'm a good person. I'm a caring person. I'm a forgiving person. I'm a compassionate person. Because when I am, I feel so happy inside. I feel so peaceful. I'm willing to take a lot of trouble to be happy and peaceful. I'm willing to tolerate insults. I'm willing to not work so hard for things that I don't need. I'm willing to take, have a lot of discrimination about what's going to be good for me and for others now and in the future. I'm really thoughtful about what I do. I take the time. I'm not going to run around and make hasty decisions. I'm really going to take the time to look at things. And I'm willing to undergo any kind of inconvenience to make sure that I have that happiness within and I'm, I'm really, I'm, I'm, I'm in harmony with the universe. I'm in harmony with all kinds of life. I see everybody as being valuable and important. Because when I do that, I, I just feel so wonderful. I feel so centered and I feel so happy. 
and I feel so peaceful. And I, I really feel that I, I've achieved everything. There's, there's really, there isn't really anything else more because I, I'm already in touch with, with the universe. Maybe I'm even in touch with, with God. You know, I'm, I'm not so interested in this religion and that religion. I'm interested in deep spirituality and deep connection and deep understanding. And I really try to improve myself from within so I can look at myself. You know, I don't really care what you think about me, but I want to be able to look at myself every day and say, yes, I'm, I'm a good person. I'm making the right choices. So you notice in all of those, it's all about who? It's all about me. And as soon as I think it's all about me, it's like the little bodily cell that thinks it's all about me. It's not about the body. But our real identity is, it's not all about me at all. It's all about Krishna. And the irony is, when I think it's all about me, in whatever one of these flavors or combinations of them, I'm cut off. I'm cut off from my own happiness. The cancer cell becomes a parody of its original function. The stomach cancer no longer digests food. It's cut off from what it is. It doesn't really have an identity, but I have an eternal identity of giving pleasure to the Lord in my particular way as I am. That I have that eternal identity. And the irony is when I put Krishna first, only then do I fully realize who I am and only then am I actually satisfied. Even the beginning of that, Brahma Bhuta Prasanatma. But what to speak of the next steps of Ipum Sam Parodharma Yato Bhakti Rhoksujaya Hoitukiya Pratita Yadyatma Suprasiditi. We all know intuitively that we can only become happy when we're fully who we are. We all know, we all know that if we're pretentious, if we're inauthentic, we can't be really happy. There's a block. Yes, everybody knows this. But I can only be who I fully am when I stop identifying with these false identities in the modes and I start identifying just to give Krishna pleasure. So being able to distinguish like this is extremely helpful. Because Krishna says the modes are always vying for supremacy. And he says there's no being here in the universe who's above being affected by the modes of nature. And freedom from the modes of nature while we're in this body doesn't mean that the modes no longer affect the body and the mind, but it means we no longer identify them. One who does not hate attachment, illusion, uh, one who does not hate illumination, attachment, and delusion when they appear, nor long for them when they disappear. Remaining neutral, knowing that the modes alone are active. And Prabhupada in that purport said, as long as we have a body, the body is going to be affected by the modes of nature. It's not that liberation means that our body stops being affected by these modes of nature, or the mind. When Maharaj Rahugana insulted Jadabharata, waves of dissatisfaction went through his mind. 
To be dissatisfied upon being insulted is a product of what mode? Ignorance. Judd Bharata was a liberated soul, and yet when King Rahugan insulted him, and in my book those were not very bad insults, still waves of dissatisfaction went through his mind. So to be able to recognize our body will sometimes be filled with Mr. Thomas. Sometimes Mr. Thomas knocks on our door. Hey there. And he comes into our body and mind. I know you. I know you, Mr. Thomas. I'm not you. You, you can stay there if you want, you know. I, I, I don't have control over the modes of nature. They belong to Krishna, Daivyesha Gunamayi, Mama Maya Jarachiya. They're Krishna's. Not mine. Hey, Mr. Thomas, you belong to Krishna. You hang around if you want. I'm not feeding you. I'm not throwing you out. But I have my own business. Like, you ever, you're ever busy doing something and someone else comes and you say, look, I really can't talk to you right now. If you want to sit there, you can sit there. But I have my own work to do. You ever say that to somebody? Maybe some of you are really friendly types and you wouldn't do that. But I'm a very task-oriented person. I'm not a very friendly person. So if I'm working on something, I mean like the other day at the meeting, I, was, I had to really concentrate on something and I threw everybody out of the room. Because <laughs> people were talking. It was a break. People were talking. And I said, can you talk outside? I can't focus. So, you know, we're, we're absorbed in some kind of work and somebody comes to visit us. Okay, Hi. Yeah, there you go. Can you just sit there? That's exactly what Hari Das Thakur did with that prostitute. He said, you want to come? You come. Just just sit over there. I, I'm busy right now. When I'm not busy anymore, I'll deal, I'll deal with you. But right now I'm busy. But he never stopped being busy. Finally she figured out, you're never going to stop being busy. So the modes figure out. Just like if you go to meet somebody, when, when the demigods were going to meet Krishna, right in the... the secretary, whatever, he comes out and says, Indra, you're praying too loudly. Would you be quiet? Varuna, Krishna's not going to be able to see you today. Sorry, schedule's too full. Come back tomorrow. So it's like that if we go to see some important person and they say, sorry, I'm busy right now. You just wait over there and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting and we're waiting. What will we do after a while? We'll leave. So Mr. Thomas comes, Mr. Roger comes, haven't figured out what to call the other one. Mr. Sam comes. So, you know, Roger comes by. I'm busy right now. You have a seat if you want, you know, but I'm busy. I have my own business. And after a while, Roger gets up and leaves. After a while, Thomas or Sam, they get up and leave. Then they come again. Hi, I'm here again. Hi. Nice to see you. I know you, yeah. You're, you're Roger. I know you. You're part of Krishna's energy. Yeah, you're interesting, aren't you? But I got my own business to do. Jivaraswarapaya Krishna Nityadasha. I have my own business. And if we find ourselves talking to Thomas and Roger and Sam, then we can go, oops, bad habit. No, I'm not talking to them. Talking to Radha Madan Mohan, I'm talking to Gorni Tai, I'm talking to Sita and Ram, that's who I'm talking to. I'm talking to Srila Prabhupada. I'm not, not talking to these other guys. I can't throw them out, they're Krishna's energy. 
But I don't have to feed them, and I don't have to talk to them, and I don't have to identify with them. And then this Rudaya Granta, you were saying, this is the knot, yeah? And we can't, we, can't, we can't untie the knot. It's the Gordian knot. We can't untie it. Everybody tried to untie the Gordian knot. They couldn't do it. Alexander the Great came along. He said, I'm just going to cut it. Krishna says, how are you going to cut down this complicated banyan tree? You just take out the, you know, with the weapon of knowledge. Just, I know you guys. And you're not me. Sorry, you're not me. Just sit over there, will you? And the feelings that arise in our body, the sensations in our body, what we consider to be good and bad sense objects, the different workings of the mind that are under Sam and Roger and Thomas, they're all simply this false ego. And I want to come back to my healthy position and realize myself and when I realize myself and put Krishna first, I will be fully nourished and I will be fully happy. Anandam Bhudivardhanam as uh, Bhaktisiddhanta Sarasvati says, even though we are an infinitesimal soul, we are capable of unlimited happiness when we are in connection with the unlimited. Do we have time for questions? I've gone directly to 8.30. Was that 8.30 with or without questions? Oh no. I I I messed up. I'm sorry. Everybody would prefer breakfast, I'm sure. So if you want to leave and eat, but if you want to take five minutes, any points, discussions? Yes. An edit oh oh. what Prabhupada's talking about. Well, it's like what we're hating is that we're a servant. We hate the fact that we're a servant. You know, it's like we're just, we're, we're, we're looking and saying, I hate that I'm a servant. I hate it. I want to be the master. I hate that I'm a servant. So yeah, we're hating ourselves. We're hating the very essence of our nature. Any other comments, Dravita Prabhu, besides editing comments? Oh, I was thinking you were bringing that up as a point that I failed to make. (laughs) Well, thank you. But that is a a very important point, that the way that we're going to be able to make this distinction between uh, reality and illusion, and the way that we're going to sharpen that sword is through our sangha. You know, if I associate with people who are all puppets of Sam and Roger and Thomas, then I'm going to tend to identify that way. And if I associate with people who are voluntary, loving servants of Krishna, then I'm going to identify that way and be able to see clearly. So thank you. That was, I thought that was a nice additional point. Yes? They don't always whisper. Sometimes they pound. Oh, I wouldn't. I wouldn't mess with them. I, re- I really wouldn't mess with them. I, I, I just wouldn't. I have. So I'm speaking from experience. Even Sam. Even using Sam. Yeah, I, I, I've done that. I, oh, I know how to use Sam. I, I can use him quite well in service. 
But you know, when when you're using satvagun even in service, you become bewildered by the ankar of satvagun. You do, and it's not satisfying. It's just not satisfying. Satvagun is boring. What well, to speak of the other two? Rajagun and tamagun are so superficial; they're completely on the bodily platform. You know, Rajagun a little bit on the mental platform, but they're really, they're just so boring. But even Satvagun is just boring. It, it's got this boundary to the happiness. I mean, it is, it is happy. Satvagun's the only one that's happy. Really happy. The others just talk themselves into it. But it, it, it's, it's, a, it's a boundary. I mean, I, I actually, if I want to go into Satvagun, it's right here. I can feel the boundary. It's like I have this, this ball of light that I'm carrying around. But it's a boundary. And it's like, and, it, and it's all about me. I don't use the energy of it's all about me. In, think of the contradiction. Can I use the energy of it's all about me in the mood of it's all about Krishna? No, you can't. I mean, you can. There's devotional service performed in the modes. But eh, don't, don't play with them. They're bad news, those guys. They're really bad news. You know, they show up, hey, I got a great deal for you, won't cost much. And depending on, on our previous lives and stuff, we're going to be specifically attracted to certain aspects of them. But now they're they're really bad news. Leave them alone. Let them do their own business. We should neglect them. They're not ours. They don't belong to us. They're Krishna's. We respect them, keep a healthy respect for them. They're, they're, they're not ours. They're under the jurisdiction of, of Maya, who's Krishna's sister. And we have respect them. Yes. Ah. Yes. Very good, 5, 12, 16, on the recommendation of Dravida Prabhu as our homework assignment. But the, the impersonalists also understand they can't mesh with, some, with Sam and Roger and Thomas. Any spiritualist understands this. What they try to do is, is be a nothing. Now, often they'll use an intermediary technique, like they'll meditate on their breath, not realizing that Arjuna says in the 11th chapter, Krishna, you are the air. And Krishna says also, I join with the incoming and outgoing air to digest the four kinds of foodstuffs. So that when they're meditating on the breath going in and out, they're actually meditating on Krishna. But anyway, they don't know that. So the, the impersonalists and the voidists, when they're meditating on their breath or a candle or whatever, or some mantra that they think is just a means, what they're trying to do is they're trying to not, inter, not interact with Sattva, Rajas, and Thomas. 
They're, they're trying to see them from a distance, recognize what they are, and leave them alone. Neither loving them nor hating them. Not attachment, not aversion, no situation, no attachment, no aversion. It's very difficult, though, because they're trying to, what you probably say, the non-perceptual feelings. <laughs> you know, whereas what we can do is we can be absorbed in our identity, and we can do this even as a, as a beginner. I can be absorbed in my identity as a servant of the deities and the servant of Shiva Prabhupada and the servant of Lord Chaitanya's mission. And we can, we can be absorbed in that exactly, exactly like you can be absorbed in your work and tell somebody to wait that you're, and you don't interact with them. Exactly like that. But please try to use the spiritual energy, that's the energy we want to be working with, which is a very different kind of energy. That, that kind of energy has a very different sensation. The thing that I always compare it to is if you if you are someplace where there's fruit growing on trees and the fruit gets tree ripened and so all the juice goes into the fruit and if it's organically grown, if it's picked when it's fully ripe on the tree. I had my first experience of this when I was 21 on Henry Street and we went to an orchard, where a peach orchard, where the owners said that they'd already harvested everything with some machine but they never get everything. And so we could go and we could get all the peaches. And the peaches we got were all tree-ripened peaches. We filled up big crates with them and we were bringing them back in a van to the temple and our oldest son was, was very young, maybe a year old. So he was sitting on my lap and he wanted a peach. So, you know, they were all to the, for the temple, for the deities, but because he, he was crying. And so I took a peach and I offered it and he took a, you know, two bites of it and then he was done, of course, because he was a baby. So I got to finish the peach. And I thought, oh my God, this is the first time in my life I've had a peach. Or when I started growing my own garden, and even the vegetables, the carrots, the zucchinis, and you're just... We used to even keep carrots in the winter. I'd put a a big bag of mulch on top of the carrots to keep the ground from freezing, and then I'd just put my hand under the bag and pull out a carrot in the winter. It's a different thing. And you can immediately tell the difference between a fresh, tree-ripened, organically grown, locally grown mango and the mango-flavored drink they give you on Hawaiian Airlines. Would you like some fruit juice? No, thank you. So we, we can tell that, that authentic thing. So the, we get some kind of rasa from goodness, passion, and ignorance. We get some sort of perverted rasa in those but they're all the chemical-flavored fruit juice. All of that, whether it's in, in sattva, rajas, or tamas. But as soon as we're experiencing bhakti, we're experiencing the locally grown, organically grown, tree-ripened mango. And that's the rasa we want to energize us. That's, our, that's the fuel we want for our activities. The other fuel, it's like, uh, like I read the, the, this story of this guy who bought a, a diesel vehicle and put regular fuel in it. You know, So we, we, we function on the bhakti fuel. We're souls. We're meant to eat bhakti fuel. And when you put sattva, rajas, and tamas fuel in us, it clogs our pipes. 
breaks our machine, breaks our self, messes us up. Durga Devi can use that in Krishna's service. So if you want to become one of her assistants, that's another thing. But we don't advise that. But that is an available option in reality. Thank you very much. Shri Prabhupada Ki Jai.